I'm so glad that you're here, and I just want you to know that you are deeply, deeply loved uh, more than you could possibly imagine. And uh, if, if you hadn't, someone hadn't told you they loved you today, we want you to know that you are deeply, deeply loved. And today is such an important day uh, for us. And uh, and a day to celebrate. So we've been walking through uh, Corinthians, First Corinthians, and, and we talked about uh, we talked about uh, issues of loyalty and division that were in the church. We talked about uh, sex uh, and that our bodies matter and what we do with our body matters. We talked about uh, our freedom we have in Christ, uh, the struggle of legalism and rules to follow. Let me just put my uh, clock here. Um, and we studied. Uh, we studied orderly worship and what it means to come together as a family, as a church, as a body, uh, to worship our God and to love each other uh, in that. And uh, it is uh, this week as I was preparing, Marga, uh, my wife was like, wow, it just happened to be uh, Easter, right? And I'm like, no, 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 we, we're, a, we're a planning team. We planned this. Like we, we thought this through. We prayed about it. We came together. We like worked it out so that it would fit, right? So it's not just the, it's not just didn't just happen, right? Uh, we, we, we think these things through, right? And so um, we want to talk about uh, the resurrection, and the resurrection is such an important part of our faith, but it's also a, a very challenging and difficult part of our faith, and a part that we often overlook, and resurrection is hard for some of us to, to comprehend. Uh, I happen to uh, have had an experience with resurrection uh, that I would like to share with you all uh, today. I was, uh, when I was in college, I mowed lawns for a living, that's what I did, uh, and, uh, and I was mowing this the lawn at this church, and I was, I was with the trimmer, and I was passing over this, this little shrubbery, uh, and, uh, and, and in Puerto Rico, we have these, uh, well, so I, I was passing over, and all of a sudden, I see this little frog get flung out of, the, out of the bushes. In Puerto Rico, we have these little frogs, they're called coquis, and it's a little tree frog, right, and it's, and it's native to Puerto Rico, and it's, it's very, you know, it's a part of our culture. It's a part of who we are. Coqui, yo soy como coqui, you know. It makes this little noise, this little chirp at night that drives people crazy if you're not used to it. It's this little <laughs> sound. Uh, and I actually have a noise, uh, a white noise app that I found that actually has the little chirp. Uh, and and uh, they call it peepers, but uh, we all know in our hearts that it's the coqui. Anyways, so I'm, I'm trimming, right, and I pass over this little thing, and this poor little cookie goes flying out, and I can see, I, I'm like, oh, no, you know, and I reach down, and I pick him up, and, and I can see that his body was mangled by, by the blades of the weed whacker, and I'm so sad, and I, and I know in my heart that he was dead, and I was like, oh, I killed this poor innocent little frog, and so I, I was sitting there, I'm in a church, I'm a man of faith. So I looked around to make sure no one was watching, because I'm a man of faith. And I kind of got down on my knees, and I, and I lifted the frog up to the Lord, and I'm like, Jesus, if you could heal this frog. And nothing happened. So I'm like, ah, all right, well, you know, it was, it was worth a try, right? So I, I, I go, and I lay him down, and uh, I don't know why, I, I was, wasn't sure if I was going to bury it or, or what I was going to do, but I laid it down over uh, in the sidewalk, just kind of off to the side so it wouldn't get hit again. And, uh, and I started mowing the lawn. It was a very warm day, a lot of sun. And all of a sudden, this cloud comes over me. And I look up, and I'm like, what is this? And it starts to drizzle, and it starts to rain. 
And I, I'm like, oh, oh well, this is kind of nice because it's a little refreshing, right? And then I look over at the frog, and as these raindrops started to fall on this little frog, it started to twitch, and it started to wiggle a little bit. And, I'm like, and then all of a sudden, the frog just kind of gets up and kind of shakes himself off like this, and I'm looking at this, and then the frog, like, looks at me, and this, I look at him, and it looks at me, and then he's like, ¿Qué pasa? And then I'm like, <gasps> and then the frog, like, hops away, and it's a miracle. Jesus has resurrected this frog. It was, yeah, let's clap that. Come on. It was a miracle. This frog was alive. This frog that was dead is now alive. Um, <laughs> resurrection is a hard concept for us to understand. Because death is so final. And I've, I've learned that and I've experienced that personally um, over many years, but, but so uh, much more recently um, in the passing of my father. Um, and it's, so it's a struggle for us to understand resurrection. It's a struggle for us to believe resurrection. It's a struggle for, for us to, uh, to think about resurrection. Because death is so final. And this was the struggle for the Corinthians as well. The struggle of, is this real? Can we hope in this resurrection? Can I hope in life after death? Can I hope that what Jesus has done is real and true and is meaningful for me and life-changing for my life? Here and now, but also in the distant future. And so we, we turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 to conclude uh, our study. And, um, and this is what Paul brings to the believers in, uh, in Corinth uh, in, in his letter to uh, the Corinthians. And I'm going to read it in Spanish, but the words are going to be up there. And, um, and so our... our our sermon series has been about lenses, about viewing life through the lens of the gospel. And this is what Paul is wanting to do for the Corinthians. He is reminding them to no longer look through the lens of their culture and of their life and of, of all the things that surrounded them, but to look at life and to look at church and to look at their community through the lens of the gospel. And so he reminds them of what are the main elements of this gospel that he, uh, he spoke about. And there are four major things. And he says this, Porque ante todo les transmití a ustedes a lo que yo mismo recibí. This is verse 3. Three, okay. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 3, uh, 3 through 6. Porque ante todo les transmití a ustedes lo que yo mismo recibí. Que Cristo murió por nuestros pecados según las Escrituras. Que fue sepultado que resucitó al tercer día según las escrituras y que se apareció a Cifas luego a los doce y después se apareció a más de 500 hermanos a la vez la mayoría de los cuales viven todavía aunque algunos han muerto and so Paul is talking there and he, he's speaking of, he says that that uh, I remind you of what I received it is that the death of Christ for sins, according to scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to scripture, and that he appeared to Peter, to the 12, and more than the 15 
then the 500 people, James, not the apostle, but uh, the brother of Jesus, and then Paul. And so he's, he's bringing this back to the forefront to remind them, this is the gospel. This is what you've believed. This is what you've received, that Jesus Christ died for our sins. And, and this is important. Jesus has to die for our sins. And we have to understand this because we have to go back to the beginning to really uh, understand this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God created man and God created woman. In his image, he created us. So I draw. God created humanity. <laughs> we'll leave that there. Man and woman made in God's image, but then man and woman both chose to disobey, and they walked away. They turned from their creator, and they lived in independence from him, and with that, the consequence was death. Sin came into the world. God had created this perfect world, right? And we walked in his design, that we are created in his image, that we are children of light, that we are children of God. And there was life, and it was good. And then turning from that, sin came in. And from sin comes this distorted view of life, this distorted view of our image, this distorted view of our identity, this distortion of who we are, and this distortion has brought dysfunction. Make sure I spell that correctly. My wife's in the back, she's watching. Dysfunction. We've turned from the design. And so instead of viewing the image of God in each other, and instead of viewing people as created in that image, we see race, we see color, we see male, we see gender, we see male, we see female, we see socioeconomic status, we see poor, we see rich, we, we see worthy, unworthy. And, and we've felt that in us. And has led to a dysfunction in relationships. Well, dysfunction in relationship leads to destruction. We have destruction of relationship. We have destruction of society. We have destruction of family. We have destruction of, of community. We have destruction all around us. And then, when sin is full-grown, what it brings forth is death. And this is the problem with sin. It's not that God is wanting to limit our fun or inhibit what we can or can't do. The problem with sin is that it's going to kill you because it leads to dysfunction, which leads to destruction that ultimately brings death. And so scripture tells us, por medio de Romans 5, 12, por medio de un solo hombre el pecado entró en el mundo y por medio del pecado entró la muerte. Fue así como la muerte pasó a toda la humanidad porque todos pecaron. Therefore, just so, so through this one person that life was supposed to be created, this one person 
because of sin. And it's passed down from generation to generation to generation. And we all carry it, each of us, in our own way. And if we were honest with ourselves, we know this is true. Because we've experienced it both as it's been done to us, but also as we have done to others. And the dysfunction of my own life and the way that I've treated people. And the destruction of relationships in my own life. And ultimately the death and not just physical death, but also physical death. And so someone had to pay for this because through Adam's seed, uh, it is passed from generation to generation to generation, and we all carry this. So someone had to pay for it. And when we talk about God's righteous anger, it's, it's often, t- it's often we, don't, we don't talk about this. We don't want to talk about God as angry. All of this done to his beautiful creation causes anger. I've been doing a jury duty this week, and I'm not supposed to talk about it. <laughs> but uh, we saw this one case, and uh, there were two individuals, and they attacked an older gentleman and, and, and beat him up and, and abused him. And as I'm watching this video uh, of the evidence provided against me, I'm just so angry in my heart of what these men were doing to this older gentleman. And I'm like, they, these guys deserve to be in jail, and they have to be punished, and they deserve what they get, and someone has to do something about this. Someone has to do something about this. This is not right. right? It's a righteous anger. And that's appropriate because someone should have to pay for the things that have been done against us, to the harm that has been happening to our world, to the children who are suffering, to the people who have been injured and hurt and murdered and abused. But I also have to realize that I stand in that judgment as well for the things that I have done. And so someone has to pay for this. And this is where Jesus comes in. Because then Jesus on the cross, because Jesus was born of a virgin, he doesn't carry in him the seed of man. The sinfulness is not passed on to him. And so born of a virgin continues a life of perfect submission unto God. And And on the cross, Jesus then... becomes the substitute. He takes on our sin, our place, and he dies for us, right? This idea of substitution is incredibly important, that Jesus is satisfying uh, the wrath of God for sin, that Jesus is restoring relationship through his substitution. He restores a relationship that I can have with God. He creates redemption, the buying back. We were enslaved to sin, and Jesus has brought, bought us back into freedom and justification that we are declared just. We are pardoned for our sins. And all this is really, really good stuff, right? And the way that we know that this is true, and we, the way that we know that we have been given life and that Jesus has substituted for us, the way that we know that we have life in him is because after Jesus died on our place and substituted our, my place and yours, that Jesus died, he was buried, and on the third day, he was raised 
back to life. Why does that matter? Why does that matter? Um, so Paul continues for the Corinthians. And he says, ahora, ahora bien, si se predica que Cristo ha sido levantado entre los muertos, ¿cómo dicen algunos de ustedes que no hay resurrección? If Christ has been resurrected, how can people say that there is no resurrection? Si no hay resurrección, entonces ni siquiera Cristo ha resucitado. If there is no resurrection, then not even Christ is resurrected. Si Cristo no ha resucitado, look at this. Nuestra predicación no sirve para nada. Tampoco la fe de ustedes. If Christ has not been risen from the dead, then our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. If Christ is not resurrected. Aún más. Resultaríamos falsos testigos de Dios. Por haber testificado que Dios resucitó a Cristo. Even more. If, we're not, if we don't believe in the resurrection. If the resurrection isn't real. If there is no resurrection. Not only is our faith useless. But we are liars. Because we have declared that we have seen Jesus resurrected. So this is even more sin. Porque si los muertos no resucitan, if the dead are not brought back to life, tampoco Cristo ha resucitado. Y si Cristo no ha resucitado, la fe de ustedes es ilusoria y todavía están en sus pecados. Your faith is futile. It's useless, it's futile, and worse, you're still in your sin. En este caso también están perdidos los que murieron en Cristo. Si la esperanza que tenemos en Cristo fuera solo para esta vida, seríamos los más des desdichados de todos los mortales. If there's no resurrection, if Jesus is not resurrected, then their faith is futile. Our preaching is useless. Our community is worthless. We are still in our sin. Those that we have lost to death are lost. And not only that, but if, if only in this for this life. If it was just about this one life, then we are to be pitied more than any other person. Like these are strong words. Paul is saying that the resurrection matters so much. That Christ being raised to life matters so much. And that not only that Christ being resurrected, but that our resurrection in Christ also matters Christianity isn't designed just for us to be good people there's easier believe me there are easier ways of being a good person it wasn't designed as a way of just creating a religion it wasn't designed as a form a blueprint for a form of government Christianity is designed to be personally and individually transformative as you and I become aware of the presence and the reality and build relationship with the true and risen Jesus Christ. And through that relationship that Jesus would begin to transform our lives, transform us from the inside out. See, just as death came through Adam, through one man, life also comes through one man. And Paul continues in verse 21 and 22. 
De hecho, ya que la muerte vino por medio de un hombre, también por medio de un hombre viene la, la resurrección de los muertos. Pues así como Adán, todos mueren. También en Cristo, todos volverán a vivir, pero cada uno en su debido orden. Cristo, las primacias, después, luego, él ven, cuando Él venga, los que le pertenecen. So as death came through one man, and with death, with sin, dysfunction and destruction, life. Life is now granted to us through Jesus Christ. And this is good news. This is really, really good news. Why? Because, as he continues in verse 42, Así sucederá también con la resurrección de los muertos. Lo que, es, lo que, es, lo que se siembra en corrupción resucitará en incorrupción. Lo que se siembra en deshonra resucitará en gloria. Lo que se siembra en debilidad resucitará en poder. Si siembra el cuerpo natural resucita. That's a hard word. Un cuerpo espiritual. Si hay un cuerpo natural también hay un cuerpo espiritual. So what he's saying here is this is that whatever was sown in death and resurrection, it is sown differently. What was sown imperishable will be raised in imperishable. What is sown in dishonor will be raised in honor. What is sown in weakness will be raised in power. What is sown in the natural body is raised in the spiritual body. We are going to have new life. And this is important for us. Verse 49, Y así como hemos llevado el, la imagen de aquel hombre terrenal, llevaremos también el imagen del celestial. The resurrection is everything. Don't you see it is everything because it doesn't matter what we carry or how dysfunctional or how destructed or how dead we are. All of that will be laid down and what will be raised up is completely new. So my father in his sickness, in his dementia, and as he slowly disappeared, he is laid down in that brokenness but he will be raised again in new life that those that are go before us will be laid down and what weaknesses I have in my body will be laid down and new life will be given to us what is broken about this world and about me and what is dysfunctional about my life and my body will be brought back into new life, into health, into beauty. And this is what Jesus did. And this is good news for anybody who has struggled with sickness, for anyone who has struggled in relationships, for anyone who has struggled in, in life, for anyone who has felt this death and carried it around. 
This is good news. Umpa, this is good news. Because we will be raised in new life. But it is not only for this one moment where we will die and then be raised, right? Because it's, it's very easy for this, us to then also say, well, that's then for then. That's when I die. And oftentimes we equate our faith and our relationship with Christ and this resurrection to just the moment of death. And yes, it is death, our physical death, but it is so much more than that. The resurrection of Christ gives us so much more than just this, this having to wait till hopefully many, many years from now, this physical death and resurrection, but it is also life for you and for me today, here and now. Here and now. Sorry. It is, and it's good news. And if you look at some of the other verses, some of the other chapters of Romans 5 and 6, Paul speaks on this same thing to the church in Rome. And he says, my brothers and sisters, he goes into what the resurrection means for us right here and right now. And he goes through this in depth. So I highly recommend reading Romans 5 and 6. Just take some time to process, to sit in that. Because what it says is that through the trespasses of one man, death reigned in all of us. But through the obedience of another man, of Jesus, life will reign in us. That through the disobedience of this one man, death comes to all of us. That through the obedience of Christ, life comes through all to all of us. That through the sin of one man, condemnation comes to all of us. So through the life, of one man. Righteousness comes to all of us. And then he says this, that we have died to sin. That when we come to faith in Jesus, that we, when we believe in Jesus, we are united with him and that our life, we have died to sin when we are baptized into Christ. And when we are baptized into his death, we are buried with him. And that when Christ was brought to life, that we are also raised with him. And that means that my dysfunction, not only in the future, but also here and now today, is laid down with Christ. That the destruction of my life, what I have caused, is also united with Christ. And his death, it is buried. And I can have new life. That my death, all of this sin that categorizes me, that, I, that is my identity, that is, of, that is marked in me, all of this death, all that is part of me, all that I carry, I can lay it down with Christ and be raised to new life in him that they don't have to be what categorizes me anymore, that this identity doesn't have to be what marks me anymore, that my sin and my shame and all of this no longer has to mark me because I am dead to that 
and raised in new life in Christ. It's hard for us to understand. It's hard for us to, to, to really understand this because dead things don't come back to life. But that's what Jesus is promising to us. And for some, this is a, 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 a for some, I've seen people who have, and I've heard stories of people, and I've heard people share their story of how they, they've given their life to Christ. And, 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 and this is why also baptism is so important. Because baptism becomes the symbol and the sign of, of being united to Christ, of being laid down. You're put into the water. We don't hold you down there for three days. It's just quick. And then afterwards, we are laid with Christ in baptism, and then we are raised with him in new life. It's a symbol of I'm letting go of all of this that defined me, that broke me, and I'm being raised new. The, the, the example that I could give you is, is of a seed. And this is something that Paul talks about a little bit. And uh, so when my father passed away, my father uh, loved bonsai trees. And he had many, many different bonsai trees uh, for a long time in his life. So I decided as a way of honoring him and also to celebrate his life, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I planted a bunch of trees that I'm going to cultivate into bonsais. And so I'm, I'm learning what that process is like. And it's, this is not easy. I thought you just put a seed in the ground and you put some water and that's it, right? No, these seeds, like for germination process, it's like this complicated thing. And you have to like take these seeds and, uh, and, and uh, for uh, this one tree that you have to boil the seeds and you have to leave them soaking in water overnight uh, for 24 hours and then you can plant them. And then, they, and then they, so essentially what has to happen is the seed has to die so that new life can spring from it. It's this image of laying down in death and being raised in life. Now, some of the seeds are really easy. We just put it in, and it just happens, right? There's other seeds. I, I'm trying to do this juniper tree. It's this, you know, this Japanese, like, pine tree thing. It's really, really cool. But the process for it, for its germination is crazy. You have to boil it in water, then you have to let it soak for 36 hours, and then you have to put it in a plastic bag and seal it in a dark place for three to six months. Then you have to take it out of that and put it in a refrigerator for another three to six months, and then you can plant it. I mean, this is like, what? I'm like, why don't I just put it at the SOIE, you know, whatever, put some water, da, bamano. But it's this process, right? And for some of us, the, the process of death to life is, is, is fast. And I've had friends and I've seen people who have given their life to Christ, who have laid their, 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 their death down to Jesus. And like that, he's made miracles. And he's brought healing. And he's brought life. And he's brought change. And they're radically different. My dad, when he came to Christ, he went from being an introvert to an extrovert in, overnight. It was just this crazy experience for him death to life. But for others, it's a longer process. For others, it's a daily reminder that I have to die to myself so that I can be raised to life. For some of us, we have to constantly remember, I have died to this, and I am raised in life. I have to die to my anger. I am no longer this person, and I am raised in the peace of Christ. I have to die to 
this or that or whatever it is. Insert the blank for your own life. For some, it's quick, and for others, it is a constant reminder. But that's what Paul says. He says that you're not, you, our lives are no longer ours. And for some of us, it's very easy. I mean, for some parts of it, I am very quickly and very easily willing to, to allow it to die. And for other parts of me, I have to put it to death because it's things that I want to hold on to. I want to hold on to that anger. I want to hold on to some parts of me. I want to hold on to it. I don't want to lay it down. But Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would follow me, if anyone would be my disciples, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and come follow me. And this idea of death and life is so much a part of our, of our daily walk that we are cons- constantly, consistently laying down our lives so that I can be free. I lay down my dysfunction so that I can be raised in life. I lay down my sickness so I can be raised in healing. I lay down my destruction so I can be raised in life. I lay down my death so I can be raised with Christ. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3, and with this I'll close. It says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. We are united with Christ in his death. And that gives me new life here, today, tomorrow, and one day at the end of it all when my eyes close for one final time. And then I will be fully raised. But here today we still have hope that what I'm struggling with, this isn't the end. That what I, what I am working through, that this isn't it. That Jesus gives me new life. And the, my question for us this morning is, is that a reality for you? Is that a part of your faith? Do you walk in that newness of life? Is, is it a reminder to you Every morning when you wake up, do you remember that you were laid in death and raised in life? Do you remember that you are living now in Christ? And the reminder for us is set your mind on things above. Set your mind on things above. Be processing, be thinking about that. Set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand. Today we celebrate We celebrate what Jesus did. That through his death on the cross, I move from death to life. That my life is wrapped in Jesus. And I'm wrapped in his life. Now, tomorrow, and forever.